Welcome to the Butts in the Seats podcast, episode number 79. Woo! I'm not going to make the mistake of telling you what the show is. That's because... Thank you! Emily likes to do that. On this show, we take a week-by-week look at the downfall of WCW in 2000 slash 1999. And a little bit 98. And a little bit 98. We haven't gotten to 2001 yet. Thank God. I'm Nick alongside Emily. He took that from me last week and I haven't forgiven him yet. I thought it flowed well. It did flow well, but that's my line. Emily, how are you doing today? Feisty. Apparently. <laughs> we spend all of today doing wedding stuff. Oh my god, it just... I have a job, but I spent the whole day doing wedding things, so I'm probably going to have to like, work late and make up for it somehow. I just looked up and it was 3.30 and I'm like, holy shit, I've done nothing but address envelopes and... I make table settings. I don't know, man. Just the day would disappeared. Yeah, and now you get to talk about a uh, very forgettable Nitro. Literally, we watched this yesterday and I don't remember it. I have notes, thank God, but wow, was this a filler episode. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the January 24th, 2000 Monday Nitro. The uh, the second one post-Russo. And, like, I can't tell if I can feel it or not. Things it's just happen. Like, it, it feels like Russo left where they didn't have a plan. So they're using these last two weeks as just like a, okay, what now? The show is also moving slower. It, it doesn't feel like the let's cram three hours into two hours. It feels yeah. like let's just do two it hours. It feels like let's try to fill two hours. Yeah. Which is very different. Before we get into the show itself, I have two behind-the-scenes news things for WCW. <laughs> you guys should see Nick right now. He is holding, like, a half little piece of paper by two fingers as if it's just, like, an, arc- an ancient relic that he's trying not to, like, damage with his skin oils. There you go. Hold it like a human. <laughs> uh, Hulk Hogan has said, oh, I'm never going back to WCW, brother. Liar! Like, oh, they don't want to pay me enough. Like, you saw six pay-per-view dates on your contract. And Bret Hart was told by his doctor that he should stay out of the ring at least two more months. So even he doesn't know that he's done yet. No, we, we mentioned that on, on the episode, but yeah, they, they have no idea what's going on with, with him. Do you have any note from like the other people that have left? Because they've officially been on on WWF now at this point, right? I think it's next week. Oh, okay. I think they get a release like right around one of these days. I thought they got released right after last week. No, no. We, we went over it at the, the end of the sold out episode. The timeline is a little murky. but I Lizard think, brain. I think they get released around this episode. Okay. Because once again, no mention. And I imagine like with the snark that was in this episode, I would imagine that some things are said on screen. Not necessarily about them, but just like in general snarky. Well... We mentioned last week that they just pretend Bret Hart didn't exist in stories. Yes. And this week, they don't even mention Chris Benoit's name. They're pulling a modern-day WWE. But there was a little bit of snark with calling out Hulk Hogan at one point and Mean Gene making his WWF little thing. Like, there's a little bit of snark. Well, the the Hogan snark was meant to set up a story. Sure. But I'm just saying there's snark. Mean Gene snarky? What? I don't know. So, I guess the other thing to talk about before we get into the show proper was actually the first thing we saw on, on this show. Oh, yeah, bring the a, mood down. Yeah, in memory of Bobby Duncan Jr. graphic. I couldn't find out if he was still actually under contract at this time. It was kind of vague. Because yeah, he wasn't off TV for that long. It hasn't been, in the grand scheme, it hasn't been that long. Yeah, it's been... It, it hasn't been years. It's been months. Yeah, I think he, yeah, I think he got hurt around the summer. But I mean, yeah, it, it, he's been on TV in the, la- in the last year, and I, I don't know how much of him being off TV was his injury or 
frankly, part of the reason he died, he was having a lot of substance abuse issues. WWE, like, basically said, we're only giving you partial pay until right. you go to rehab. And he refused to go and fortunately died of a accidental overdose. Damn. And, That's yeah. just way too common. It's it was, scarily it was, it was common. 34. That's horrible. I don't know what I'd want them to do, but the fact that they just flashed this graphic and that's kind of it for the night. I don't know. That felt a little off to me. Yeah. Nobody else made any kind of mention. Again, it hasn't been years. He yeah. hasn't been gone for that long. Like have Kurt Hennig do a match. And Something. Even, yeah. yeah. But yeah, they just, they moved straight past it. And I think we kind of said our goodbye to him as part of the podcast when the West Texas Rednecks broke up. But right. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize. I don't think I realized he died at that point. Did you mention that to me? We might have early on. Oh no! I remember in the early episodes, just there was if a you lot told of me, people. If you told me he died, I don't think it clicked how soon he died. Yeah, and, and honestly, I forgot. So this popped up on the screen. And I was like, "Oh, Jesus!" Yeah, and I think I even like looked at you. Looked at you I was like, did you know about this? Like, how did this happen? And yeah. the overdosing is just so horrifically common. And nothing happens with it for, like, nearly another decade. Again, the wellness policy goes into place, but people are still dying in 2007 from this shit. I mean, yeah, it's... it's The, the wellness policy is... We could do a whole, you know, four-hour show. Yeah. Four-hour show on right. all the uh, pros yeah, and cons. Yeah, giant-ass air quotes around what I said, wellness policy. Yeah. Other people have studied a little more. For the first couple of years, it was kind of like, eh, you know, it's a thing. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. Like nothing really changed well, until it had to change because they're like I think the the thing that changed was their top guy died, or one of their top guys. And it was honestly, it wasn't even that he died; it was the scandal around the death. It was the signature pharmacy scandal. Yes, that's true. Yeah. In 1994, my dad. <laughs> no, that was not. <laughs> That was a different thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, WCW was not known for, you know, general wellness. You can see a lot of uh, issues on screen a lot of times. And we we get to see one of those men shortly, but let's just get into hey. the show. Because we get a very... I think I'm realizing, do we ever actually get the WCW intro on this show? Yes. So, well, not, we don't get the long intro. We get the shortened, just like logo intro right after the, the tribute. It's very fleeting. Yeah, well, that that's just the graphic that sometimes show at the start before cold open. I don't think we got pyro. We did not get pyro, which uh, I think uh, is the right way to go. When you're doing, when you start out with a death tribute like that, yeah. I don't think we need fireworks. Hey, welcome to Monday Nitro. Like, no, I think that they did it right. So we start in the parking garage. Four limos arrive. It's Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner, Jeff Jarrett. They all arrive with some escorts, as I guess we'll call them going forward. <laughs> They're ladies. Most of them actually go on to become things in WCW. I've actually so they're interns. They're they're entry level assistants. Emily, they can't be interns in the year two thousand without there being a twenty thousand oh. Bill Clinton jokes made. But there is a fourth limo, and who's in it but Scott Hall. What? This is actually a pretty pleasant surprise. <laughs> Not a lot of fanfare. She's like, hey, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. They just like rolls on the windows like, yeah, I'm here. Like, they're like, okay. Come they're like, come on, get out. It's like, oh, fine. People were saying he was acting a little drunk on this show. I didn't, no, I didn't super notice it. I mean, 
the problem with the very casual gimmick is that I think you can get away with it a little bit. A little bit. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sure he had a drink or two, but I don't think that he was drunk. But similar to last week, we opened with a cruiserweight match. It is the it is the first match in this cruiserweight title tournament they're apparently going to do. It is Kaz Hayashi versus Psychosis. This is a rough watch. Well, now, the rough watch. Are you talking about the match? Or are you talking about Hoovy's well, new cool gimmick? Both. <laughs> I All was of the above. Of, I was aware of this gimmick. I kind of thought it died when Russo left. I didn't realize... One it that it was barely so barely came to life in Russo when Russo it was there. It was on Thunder. I kind of oh, saw okay. it at the time. But um, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Juventud Guerrero is now the juice. He's the rock. He's the rock, but it's the juice. Yeah. Which it, is also weird because O.J. Simpson wasn't that long ago. Early 90s. 94. 94 was a big year, man. But I thought this was a slightly more clever. Like, they actually did some writing to, like, rip off the catchphrases. When you just do it word for word and only change the word rock and juice. It was, yeah, it, it was verbatim. Yeah, he does the, uh, finally the juices come back to Las Vegas. Even By though the they're way, in Los Angeles. Yeah, we're, we're in the brand new Staples Center. Which, which is, is now, now Crypto.com Arena, which, shut up. Yeah, he does the whole rock thing. And honestly, I was ready for, um, if you smell what the juice is squeezing. Oh, that would have been good. But he just does the if you smell if you smell what the juice is cooking, and I'm like, juice doesn't cook. Neither do rocks. But like, Emily, let him cook. I don't find it entertaining. I mean, credit it's to them, not. it's not offensive. Good point. Yeah, could good be worse. point. Could be worse. But um, yeah, it doesn't make doesn't make me want to see him on my screen. No. Another thing to talk about uh, before this match starts. Hoovy's on the turnbuckle doing his promo, and in the background of the shot, or really the center of the shot, we should say, is a massive "We Hate Goldberg" sign. Massive. It's like, and it's like one one letter per sign. I'm so like, a whole group of guys got together and was like, "Do we all agree on this? Yes, let's go." It's actually it's actually just the entire Hart family. <laughs> Maybe. I just sent Bret Hart a uh, wedding notice. I wrote him a little letter. I even wrote it. Like, I did write him, like, a little letter. I was just like, hey, we, we incorporated, um, you know, your jackets into our engagement shoot. Like, whatever. You mean a lot. Whatever. Yada, yada. And then I was like, I don't expect you to even read this letter because why the fuck would you? I didn't say why the fuck, but, like, why would you? So. And I also wrote one to CM Punk because the idea of him throwing it away makes me laugh. Bret Hart writes a note back and be like, I can't attend, but let me tell you about that piece of shit, Bill Goldberg. I would die. <laughs> See, now I want to just invite the guy who writes the uh, the Bret Hart buries this on Reddit. I would die. So yeah, there's a, there's a match going on. There's, it's part of a Cruiserweight title tournament. It's going to end at Super Brawl. I think they're basically going to do like one or two matches on a couple of the shows leading up. They only if, do one on this show. So. If they're all of this caliber, I worry. Yeah, let's just talk about it now. I think there's a language barrier in this match, which yes. causes a lot of miscommunication and sloppiness. Because it's Kazayashi versus Psychosis, two men that we have seen put on good matches. Yes. This two men was... who we have not seen cut a promo. Correct. This was clunky. I wouldn't say it was bad. I don't say it was sloppy, but it was clunky. There was a lot of, um, for lack of a better term, stutter stepping of just like, uh, you know me, no you. Like, yeah. no one knew what was going on. There was no cohesion to the match. Kaz hits a German suplex early on, and then a triangle drop kick, and then a dive to the outside. Psychosis counters a dive with a reverse atomic drop and hits a big clothesline. 
literally this is the point where I started started noting like, oh, okay, that was a bit off. Yeah. That's kind of weird. What's this? Hoovy attacks Kaz on the outside and then it slows down to a real awkward pace. So neither of them speak English fluently, right? To they my both speak, They both speak kind of broken. So you have two men who don't speak a common language. Yeah. They were both probably trying to put together this match in broken English. Psychosis tries for a dive to the outside, but Kaz counters it with a drop kick. He then goes up top for a superplex, but Psychosis counters it into a front-falling suplex in a really messy, kind of dangerous-looking yeah. spot. And then we just get more awkward action, and they, like, screw up this, like, kick spot, which results in the pin. Like, one of them tries for this, like, spinning kick and, like, kind of hits it actually at first. And I think they're supposed to miss because oh. they, they do it again, and then they, they go into the finish. Psychosis wins with a roll-up. And to add even more to the confusion of this match, Bobby Heenan goes, yeah, Kazayashi's your winner. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, they the commentary calls him on it. Oh. Yeah, but this was well, messy and um, not a great start to the like tournament. Like I said, clunky. I, just, I hope that it doesn't stay like this. I also would love to know who else is in this tournament. Yeah, they never say. they like In the last tournament they did, they gave us a bracket. We don't get a bracket here. We, we did get one additional entrant mentioned on this show did we yes we're going to see him get squashed in our next match but um before we get there okay tony shivani bobby heenan and mike tonight check in run down tonight's card like they actually have graphics they're hyping things up for the show who are you it's strange we don't know her who is she terry funk and arn anderson are backstage roaming around then we get the nwo in their office and kevin nash says that jeff jarrett's not cleared yet so they need to find a different match for tonight yeah after they just announced jeff jarrett in this match against sid we go to we go to backstage and nash is like nah you can't yeah and then scott hall calls terry funk a goof <laughs> not quite because they go to commercial was then that they- a commercial break or was that a peacock break? i think that's a commercial break Okay, if it's a commercial break, then it's silly. But I was giving it the benefit of the peacock break. I think there's a, I think there's a pretty clear cut there because they kind of ramble off. And okay. We come back commercial and someone is booked in, booked against Bam Bam Bigelow in a hardcore match. Like, look at him, look at this goof. He's wearing his gear. Look at this goof in his gear. Which, by the way, if you're watching the show, are you watching on like a three minute tape delay? Oh, like you're saying, like if Scott Hall is watching the show, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just take a look at this goof, and Terry Funk just appears in the locker room. <laughs> Like, what'd you call me? So, yeah, later on, we're going to get Terry Funk versus Bam Bam Bigelow in a hardcore match. Let's go to our second match of the night. It is The Wall versus Kid Romeo. Woof. I know nothing about Kid Romeo. Uh, he's going to be in the tournament, apparently. He has a match on Thunder for it. Nick asked when this match started, I guess. He asked, who do you think's winning in this one? He said jokingly. And I'm like, honestly, I don't fucking know. The wall is so nothing to me. I know that they're trying to build him to be something real, but he is still such a squash jobber player to me that like, yeah, I could see Kid Romeo beating him. I, I know a, you're saying he did this big thing with the roll up of Kidman, but like the roll. No, he, he, he beat Kidman clean. I mean, Kidman was down for the count. Like he had done two matches. One of them. One of them Kidman won in, in uh, 27 seconds because he like a roll up. of it all, yeah. he did two full-on matches before the wall came out. And yes, the wall is a big guy, but it's it's like saying Omos is a big player. Like, sure he is, but he's not. You're going to anger the Omos sapiens. I'm, I will. I'm, you know, I am not one of you. I fucking hate Omos. 
Yeah, I mean, like, the wall was Berlin's heavy. He was meant to be this, like, big monster kind of thing. He, I was looking at him, like, he actually has lost a couple times, but he's not losing every week. I still, he's still just not a big star to me. He's an obstacle. <sighs> Again, why are you not doing Kidman versus the wall? Have Kidman want to beat him, beat him the next pay-per-view and be done. I agree with you. But putting him in these kinds of, of matches does not make him seem like a big deal to me. No. And I think they want that. They want him to be like this immovable force. Yeah, it's always weird when you have somebody kind of enter stories and then you have him go back to squash matches. It yeah. feels like a step backwards. Yeah. So the wall throws Kid Romeo around, beats him down in the ring. Romeo actually manages to hit an Instaguri and dives from the corner, but the wall catches him out of the air and slams him. And actually, a kind of cool spot. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, the match wasn't bad. It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. Big choke slam, and the wall gets the pin. It's all right. It did what it was supposed to. I think I was trying to craft a Berlin Wall joke during this because I just have a note that says the wall will fall on this kid, but that doesn't really work. I think I was. I think I gave up trying to put a, put together a joke. It's it's almost like he's named the wall because he was paired with Berlin. Well, yeah, I know, but I was trying to make like the wall will crumble on the hopes and dreams of this kid, like it did, and you know. Berlin. Right. I don't know. Right. I was working on it. Try again next week. Yeah. Let's go backstage. Mean Jeans here to interview Sid and Sid's new hat. <laughs> His new hat. This man has such a big head that every hat looks silly. And he has kind of fluffy hair too, which does not help. Frankly, I'm just going to play this promo because I loved it. Gene, how can they expect to stop me with a roadblock? For I am like a monster truck out of See, I am here for one purpose, to reach one mission, to become WCW World Champion. Kevin Nash, you are the commissioner, but I am a man that can veto your power, possibly your career. <laughs> it's just whispers. He's just like... I know. I was, the funny thing is, he started whispering, and I like felt you look at me like you're fucking loving this. And I you? look over, and he has a big stupid grin on his face. I, you know, I was really ready for the shouting. Yeah, you kept waiting for like the beat to drop, metaphorically. <laughs> I enjoyed this. Sid, Sid is very much the main guy right now. I'm like, oh, you Sid's know what? becoming a cartoon character. Well, he always has been. No, he's becoming more of it with the charged up like. Emily, Punches? no. He got his car smushed and then jumped on it and yelled about Goldberg. I think he was too intense and scary at that point. Still, I think now he's a cartoon character. If he did that now, I would laugh. All right. Oh, we did miss in this past um, match the fifteen thousand dollar bounty that is on Terry Funk's head now. Well, I know Bam Bam talks about the fifteen thousand dollars, but I thought it was just. They're paying Bam Bam to wrestle this match. No, Kevin Nash placed a $15,000 bounty on Terry Funk's head to kind of get him out of the company. Get him the hell out of here. And he offers that $15,000 to Bam Bam Bigelow in a hardcore match to take out Terry Funk. Yeah, they should have done more with that because uh, no one else does shit about that. No. So it's not really a bounty if you just offer it to one Exa guy. Yeah, calling it a bounty <laughs> was probably wrong, but that's what they called it. Yeah, because Arn... Tells Bam Bam not to wrestle Funk, and Bam's like, I'd wrestle my mom for 15 grand. And I'm like, right, fair. I think Kevin Nash just offered Bam Bam Bigelow $15,000. Yeah. I think that, that's it. 
The two NWO Scots want to make a match, so they send Medasia out into the hall to find the three guys who were standing around watching. Medasia. You said that she becomes, like, an important character later. I mean importance relative. She becomes, like, Scott Snyder's valet. I, I think there's another person in this group. I like. I saw the listing of who, of who everybody was. There's somebody becomes Major Guns. <laughs> uh, somebody else in that group also goes on to become one of Scott Snyder's freaks. Somebody else becomes like an interviewer. I didn't. One of his freaks. But so Badesha brings in three people. I did not recognize one of them at the time. I wrote a Horace Hogan lookalike. It's actually Al Green who is going to be the uh, recipient of of the match they want to make. No clue. All uh, of three, all four, three? There were three. three guys? All three of them just look like Creator Wrestler. Yes. Yeah, so one of them is Al Green, who is Kevin Nash's old tag team partner from the Master Blasters, who I, we definitely saw at least once. I think it might have been literally on the Return of the Master Blasters episode. Maybe. To me, the Master Blasters is not real. That's just a meme name. One is somebody who I did not recognize and did not care enough to look up because... Because they don't really matter in this segment. And the third person who wrestled a dark match earlier as a kind of a tryout was Christopher Daniels. Remind me who Christopher Daniels is. Christopher Daniels is somebody who wrestled in basically like every company you can ever think of. He actually but never quite makes it in any of them? Not to like superstar status. Like he was one of those guys who was like a staple of the mid card in Ring of Honor and TNA. Short version, he's like the next Dean Malenko kind of vibe. All right. He's still kicking around AEW right now. I know he's working as a producer, but I think he like he was doing a retirement storyline, but I feel like he just recently wrestled a match or was going to wrestle one at the like upcoming London pay-per-view. All right. You've but, said his name enough times that I recognize the name, but I have no placement for him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you've ever any... seen him wrestle. Yeah. So when you said, oh, it's Christopher Daniels, I'm like, I know I should know who that is. That might be a lie. You might have seen him wrestle as one of the conquistadors as part of the Edge and Christian Matt and Hardy story. If he was wearing a mask, it does not yes, count. Yes, he was. I do not know. But like, that's the most like WWF time he kind of got. But yeah, yeah super talented it. wrestler. So the Scots put Al Green in the match. They want to see blood and guts is what they were talking about. Yeah, they were like itching for blood and guts. The women were itching for blood and guts. And by blood and guts, they just want that in a generic sense, that not like the match stipulation they do in AEW. Sure. So that match is up in a little bit. Right now, we have three count in the ring, and I noticed I noted they didn't do their song yet, and I'm like, oh, we're cutting before their song. They don't do their song, do they? <laughs> you were correct. So they thank their fans and get booze. And I hate that they get booze because they don't deserve booze. You know who's outraged at this? Who? Mike Tanay. That they're getting booed? No. He's like, exist. like, we're in the entertainment capital of the world. And we're going to put three count out here, these fake artists. Like, Jesus. You're chill. not getting in sync or backstreet boys, Mike. I'm sorry to tell you. You think boys to men are going to come out here and play a song? Sorry. Norman Smiley interrupts wearing Dodgers gear. Maybe 98 degrees. Three count attack Norman while the ref is distracted. Uh, I did not realize that this is a false count anywhere match. I feel like they don't tell you that. They do not. And they also don't really say it first, but it's Norman Smiley versus Shannon Moore. It's a, it's, it's a one-on-one match. Yeah, even like as the match was going, you're like, is this a handicap match? Like it could have been. We get a big wiggle from Norman after a backbreaker. And then a wheelbarrow face buster from Norman, but he does put, he does put some spanking in the middle. Yeah, he really does do the big wiggle as it was originally intended. So this is the part where I found out that this match is a Falls Count Anywhere match because three count go to interfere while Mickey J like comes out of the ring to come exa- examine Shannon Moore. And I'm like, 
God, that was a long way to do ref interference. Because the refs never leave the ring like, like that. And I'm like, you did it just to have the three count interfere? And then something happens and he go for a pin and they can't, he like start, he tries to count it. I'm like, oh, it's no DQ. Okay. You like lost your mind when Mickey J was blatantly ignoring what was happening in the background. And this is when you start losing your mind was when I was like, oh, I could not give less of a shit about this match. Oh, no. It was just a lot of effort to ignore what was happening. Like, I like, had to be like honed in. Them. Okay, never mind. This isn't as weird. We had a lazy yeah. dancing elbow drop from Shannon Moore. Norman Smiley locks in a chicken wing and Shannon Moore taps out. Quickly. Yeah. And I realized how devastating the fucking chicken wing was. I feel like he used to use that to, to win matches and Did he? hasn't in a while. I don't know what their moves are called. I don't know. This match, I should have loved this. It felt, I it fucking felt pointless. Hated it. it was so boring. There was nothing to this match. I was so bored. Yeah. It doesn't feel like they're headed towards anything. It just felt like a pointless match. Yeah, it did feel pointless. Well, speaking of pointless, uh, the Scots and Al Green head towards the ring. Also, Kevin Nash is uh, in a room with the Harris brothers, and he can't even tell them apart. Who cares? Like, who cares if you can tell them apart? They're twins. Just go with it. I realize that they look different. I never learned their names because they're Nazis. But, like, who fucking cares? Just... Back from commercial, Al Green is in the ring, but the two Scots have gone back to the office. Despite the fact that they were all headed to the ring together. Sure, sure. So this match is going to be Al Green versus Tank Abbott. Tank just beats down Al Green. Did you notice the um, the phrase they were really trying to get over during this match? No. Tank Abbott. He's a handful. I did not notice they that. They say handful probably about 12 times. Really? It's mostly Bobby Heenan. But why, why a handful? Why I don't know. Is that the phrase that they're going with? I don't with? know, but they said he's a handful. They actually said it earlier in the night when talking about Tank, too. I was like, that was kind of weird because they, they tried to do some sort of wordplay with it. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Okay. He's a handful. Sure, I guess. Yeah. Well, Tank hits a right cross and wins by knockout. Tank then mouths off with somebody in the crowd. Bobby's like, oh, I know him. I'm going to go interview him. Uh, they said this man's name. I totally forgot what it was. Oh. They, they said it later. This is just like the audience guy? Yeah. No, I, I did not catch a name. So, yeah, because commentary doesn't say who it is at first. The guy's like, oh, I know Tank Abbott. You know, he's a sellout. Like, I, anything else you want to say? No. He's sellout. But then commentary was taking this like, you think he sold out? How dare you say that he sold out? Like, Yeah, I think it was okay. meant to be he's, he's like another UFC guy or something. Okay. Oh, okay. Apparently, it's his former UFC bodyguard. So, he's selling out by going to WCW rather than staying in UFC. But how is that selling out? So, to the to me, selling because out... Because he's doing fake shit and they don't want to actually say that But to me, fake. selling out is like selling your soul to advertisers and just doing stuff for the money. Does WCW pay that much more than UFC? Uh, at this point in time, probably definitely. I feel like in current day, UFC fighters get paid buttloads. The big ones do. The small ones do not. Yeah, I think they're kind of going for the, oh, well, he took you know the easy paycheck and this fake shit. But they don't want to actually say that. It is kind of funny to me still in the year of our Lord 2023, the amount of people who still think that they are, you know, telling you something that you've never heard before when they're like, you know, it's fake, right? Like, I, we were at a party a couple nights ago, and I was talking to people about our podcast, and it, it always gets people started talking about, like, when they were a kid, they were watching wrestling, and I talked to them about, like, what we talk about here, and they're always like, it's fake, isn't it? What You know it's fake, right? 
every single person says this to me. I'm like, yeah, I know. But like we refer to professional wrestling as a soap opera with stage combat. You can still get hurt doing stage combat. Sure, it's fake. Sure, it's scripted. Like, yeah, but it's not you're not getting hit with like, you know, a fist of feathers. Like, it's still kind of real. Like, you're not breaking any new ground when you tell somebody that it's fake. Like, we all know. Shut up. Let people enjoy things. So, do you think this is actually going to go anywhere? No. Yeah, I... Sincerely, no. You know, I think I'm also hoping it doesn't go anywhere. I'm hoping that they write off Tank Abbott. I hope they stop pushing him so hard. He's not going to be your next Goldberg. It's not going to happen. No, I know he gets downgraded. and They want him to be Goldberg. Russo wants him to be Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of the issue is that winning with a punch is not a fun thing. Like, no. Like, like, with Goldberg, seeing him do the jackhammer and the spear was like, oh, hey, here's these cool moves. This is like, oh, that one punch. Okay. There's a reason that we enjoy watching wrestling and we don't enjoy watching UFC. No. UFC is boring. Sorry. I don't care if it's real. It's boring. Well, speaking of somebody who definitely has never bored us ever. Uh, this interview is like half interrupted by Ernest the Cat Miller. He's bam, back. Bam, bam, bam. And man, they did not try to give him a reaction in post. No. It, it's a dubbed theme, but uh, man, they really... They really did not uh, try to save him at all. He did grow his hair out, though. Yeah. He says he's going to whoop everybody. Sure. He's still a heel. Sure. Roz at the crowd. Sure. Call somebody fat boy. Sure. Then he dances. Sure. And that's it. The end. I, I have not missed this I think something was going to happen. No. He really was riling up that fat guy. Yeah. The point where like, the fat guy was like ready to hop in the ring. Admittedly. It's always like a little bit frustrating to me as a viewer when the wrestler is like, come in here, fat boy. And the guy's like, okay. But he can't. Yeah. Security's not going to let him. Like, why would you call me in? Or like, it, admitted, admittedly, when he, was do- when he was calling the guy fat boy. I was, I, I didn't know what I expected, and then they cut to him, and I'm like, yeah, he's a bit big. Yeah, <laughs> it's, he's a bigger guy. It, it's not quite the, them talking about how hideous these women are. It's like, wow, she's 140 pounds. What an obese whale. Yeah. So yeah, the cat's back. Yay. Um, backstage, Al Green is put into an ambulance. The Scots drop some money on his body for like, hey, you earned your paycheck. They got their blood and guts. There was no blood, nor guts. Nope, not even a blade. Speaking of matches, I'm surprised didn't have a blade. Bam Bam Bigelow versus Terry Funk. Yeah, right? Match starts with Bam Bam attacking Terry Funk backstage with a trash can. And then, in our uncomfy spot of the night... Oofty. Drags Funk into the arena via a noose. Why was that backstage? Like, he grabs it. He doesn't tie it. Like, that was already that prepped. That was prepared. On top of a road case. And I'm like, why? And I don't know whether this was a great joke or a completely awful joke, but Bobby Heenan sees it and calls it a wins or not. I don't really get the joke behind that. It, it's just the most common way to like tie a tie. Sure, but there can be some like underlying jokes about how like corporate America is killing us all slowly by the ties around our necks. Like, there's some commentary to be made under that. Let's just move on from it. <laughs> some slam poet has definitely like spoken that at a coffee shop somewhere in New York City. Yes. Come on. No, that'd be Brooklyn. That wouldn't just be. You're right. You're right. Bigelow works Funk over with a chair and then brings him to ringside. Funk falls into the front row, but eventually they head into the ring. Bigelow misses a falling headbutt and Funk clotheslines Bigelow to the floor again and then hits a springboard acai moonsault. No, I'm not kidding. (laughs) This was just like weirdly, it wasn't gruesome per se, but it was like weirdly hard. It shouldn't have been so hard. 
it was slow paced enough to where like everything hit a little harder. They actually use like psychology in this match. Yeah, Terry Funk does use psychology. I on the flip because recently we've been getting for the hard way where it's just bonk. There was no bonk. bonk. In this, one. <laughs> this was not a bonk match. Oh, the bonks. There were no trash cans. I'm sorry, sad about that. Well, there was the start, and then they got rid of it. Yeah, that's that wasn't a bonk though. Chair shots to Bigelow. Funk hits headbutts, but then just like collapses. He did. Terry Funk did do a Jimmy Hart esque throw of the chair into the ring. It was a padded chair. Too. I know, but he like I don't want to say yeeted, but he just like very gracefully just like ah through the like his full body through the chair into the ring with like a flourish. Do you remember the last time we talked about throwing chairs in the ring involving Terry Funk? No. When we watched the first ECW pay per view, barely legal. Terry Funk was in the ring and got headshotted by like every weapon that got thrown into the ring by like Sandman and oh, and Steve Richards. Just like pinpoint precision, he kept getting hit right in the fucking head. Those were bonks. Terry Funk's still kicking, right? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, every now and again, I do look up. I'm like, is Terry Funk actually still wrestling? It's it's never clear. I hope the answer is he is not. I hope he lives on a secluded farm in the middle of nowhere. He's 78. Is he older or younger than Ric Flair? I was literally searching it right now. Oh, good point. Uh, Ric Flair is 74. Admittedly, I haven't, I haven't seen him in a while. I still have more faith in Terry Funk doing one more match than yeah, Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah. And Terry Funk's, and you know Terry Funk's still going to fucking do a moonsault somehow. He absolutely would. So the last match I can find of his is from September of 2017, which was a six-man tag, so you can kind of hide a little bit. Okay. But anyway, after Funk collapses... Bigelow goes for a diving headbutt to Funk and hits it, but then goes up top again for another one, and then we get Brian Nobbs and Fit Finley running out. You know, spot that I'm like, are you guys feuding? Yeah. Bigelow kind of manages to fight them off, and then goes for another diving headbutt, but Nobbs puts a chair on Terry Funk, and Bigelow lands on the chair. The way I described that was incredibly smooth. You did. You what did that What actually very well. happens is way messier. And also, Brian Nobbs is just like randomly sitting like, like, with a chair six inches from where he's about to slide it to, like, waiting for Bigelow to, like, go up top and die. Like, it's telegraphed from a mile away. They pull Terry Funk on top of Bigelow for the win. Funk grabs a mic and says Nash will have to kill him to get rid of him, and then hypes up reinforcements for Thunder. Thoughts on this match? I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, it was a little too, like, hardcore gruesome for me. But it wasn't gruesome. It was just very hard-hitting. I'm not a big Bam Bam fan. I do, I am really enjoying watching... Um, Terry Funk actually wrestle because I've heard a lot of stories about him. I think I am interested in um, in Thunder though. Well, that's good I for know, you. I know, I uh, know. Admittedly, Baby Bigelow has jumped all over the cards since he came back. You know, whatever he did in '98 or '99, he's jumped from top of the card, mid card, low card. They kind of sold him as being a pretty like it's like a good heavy hitter here. And part of me is wondering is that just because he's back to actually wearing. His like his gear top and not a mayhem tank top. Mm, maybe, but it kind of shows that you give somebody a little bit of build, you just need to like maintain it. Because I bought Bam Bigelow as a threat here. Yeah, good build on that, and the next week they'll probably have him, you know, lose clean to Norman Smiley. It's yeah, like, probably. I don't know if they're gonna keep Funk around much longer. I, do you know anything about like how long his tenure is? I here? think Funk's around for a while. Really? Yeah. It keeps feeling like they're going to phase him out soon. I think that's because he showed up and immediately lost the position he showed up for. Yeah, maybe that's why. Yeah, he, I think he just is a wrestler going forward. 
Which is not a bad thing. No. Just be a wrestler. We then see Sid and the Harris boys headed to the ring. <laughs> good. Good hit there. And then we get Sid Vicious versus, I think it's technically Don Harris. I don't know which one's which. Now they're just commentary. They stop pretending. Yeah. they. You know, it's hard to tell them apart when they're not showing their tattoos. They do still have their motorcycle theme song for some reason. I don't I don't think I've ever paid any attention to their theme music. Well, it changed a couple different times, but... I don't pay attention to it. When they became the Harris Boys and not Creative Control, they changed to the more biker things. I remember noting, oh yeah, remember how they were DOA and that was the whole point of the song? And now they still have it, despite the fact that they're still kind of Creative Control. I, you know? And I know he's on hiatus from the company, but man, they really... Um, I've not said the phrase powers to be in a couple weeks. They just dropped that shit like a bad habit, too. That is true. You know, they have not talked about, they haven't said Russo's name. They yeah. have not talked about the power to be. We've had no allusion to the room. So, like, they're, that well, just dropped. Yeah, I mean, even after Piper killed it, they still made occasional mention, but it wasn't him appearing. True. So, yeah, this match, Sid throws the, the Harris brother around ringside. And then I'm like, wait, are you the legal one or is the other one legal one? Because they kind of just keep swapping well i think they're doing some twin magic in here well they they blatantly do twin magic at one point was it ever blatantly said that this is a handicap match no, it, i thought no. it was dawn versus it is a one-on-one match yeah okay that's what i thought so i think sid attacks the brother who's not legal and then so maybe sid doesn't even and then fights the other one so i think sid's confused yeah so they eventually kind of settle into this is the match so Don Harris gets in a rest hold and says, I'm going to be your new champion. That is not how this yeah, match Yeah, no works. one fucking knows what's happening with this match. And I will, I, I guess I do. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what's Thank going you. on here. So this was supposed to be Sid versus Jeff Jarrett. If Sid wins, Sid faces Kevin Nash later in the night for the vacant world title. If Jarrett won, Kevin Nash just became the world champion. Jarrett was not cleared. So one of the Harris brothers has been put into this match in place of him. So presumably, if he wins, it's the same stipulation. Kevin Nash becomes the champion. There's no scenario here in which Don Harris becomes the new WWE champion. Yeah. We get some very messy action from these two slash three men. The the other Harris brother, like, keeps getting on the apron, too, which doesn't help. Yeah, because they're, like... I don't want to say they look identical because that's my whole point is that they're not identical. But when they're in these outfits, it is harder to tell them apart. I will give them well, that. One of them like takes off their tie and the shirt's like unbuttoned, which comes into play here because Sid powers out of the rest hold. hits a choke slam to one brother. They then do twin magic, despite the fact that they now are wearing kind of different outfits. Yeah. Like the one doesn't take off the tie and untuck it and untuck the shirt to blend in. Right. But Sid powerbombs the other brother for the win. So Sid is now headed to uh, the main event. Woo! So Nash is not the world champion yet. What you did not see... (laughs) Well, not intended. (laughs) What we didn't see, and people at home obviously didn't see, they didn't cut him from Peacock or anything, but what people in the arena saw Uh was post-match... The other Harris brother gets in the ring, tells the ref, no, I was the legal one. The referee then counts out Sid Vicious for leaving. Oh, come the fuck on. Which means Kevin Nash would be the new champion and doesn't need to do the main event match. However. Did no one tell him that? The match still happens later. Right. So why? Well, I guess we'll just have to find out on Thunder, Emily. Is, is it actually on Thunder? Yep. <laughs> Meg, you, you're not supposed to know anything. 
But we still get our main event later. And um, let's go to, I think we, we saw the match. We're like, that's going to be our match tonight. Yeah, we, yeah. It's Kidman with Tori Wilson versus Vampiro. Listen, it's my match of the night, but it's not like blowing anything out of the water. No. Vampiro starts with a snap suplex, but then we get a head scissor from Kidman. Vampiro hits a powerbomb on Kidman early on, but he's smart. He goes for it and like, puts Kidman on his shoulder as opposed to going for the regular mm-hmm. regular position. This looked hard. And then we cut to the crowd. Both of us were like, oh no, it's soon. David Arquette is here. <laughs> With his lovely bride-to-be, Courtney Cox. Oh, I don't know when they get married. I think they might already be married, actually. I don't know, man. Courtney Cox is in the audience. My little friend's heart is like just quaking. But I saw Courtney Cox and then I looked to the right and saw David Arquette. And that was like, oh my God, it's Courtney. Oh no, it's David. Star of Ready to Rumble, David Arquette is here. Oh no. The match itself, good back and forth action from these two. It's very 50-50 booking and the way they kind of put this together. A sidewalk slam to Kidman and Vampiro goes up top and misses a guillotine leg drop. He also misses a kick and gets clotheslined to the floor. Kidman dives from the top turnbuckle over a cameraman onto Vampiro on the floor. And then a nice bit of camera work there, too, just to, like, see him dive and, like, appear and disappear out of frame. Yeah. And then we get some miscommunication in this match, too. Like, they, I don't know why, but... I think that this was another case of Vampiro not wanting to play ball. Now that you've pointed it out to me, I think I'm starting to notice it more. I don't think Vampiro wanted to be face buster. I don't think he wanted to play. Yeah. We get a vault to the floor from Kidman, but Vampiro catches him out of the air. Kidman manages to counter the counter by pushing Vampiro into the ring post. Springboard move is caught caught into a power slam by Vampiro, but Kidman manages to hit sky high and then hits a DDT. Super sloppy face jam from Kidman only gets a two. Calling it a face jam feels wrong. Vampiro manages to fuck up a rebound clothesline and hits a Uranagi. Like, he doesn't turn around for it. Right. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think he wanted to play ball anymore. He he missed the face jam, and then he fucked up. It's like, you are you don't want to be here. Vampiro dive is countered with a drop kick, and Kidman hits a corner Frankensteiner for the win. Still no shooting star press. They're, they're taking that out of the repertoire. I don't know why. This was a good match, but with no stakes, it's kind of hard to care. That's no, that's kind of what I wrote. I'm like, this is the best match so far, but who would care? There's a vampire joke to be made with that. No stakes? Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. No, it was nice to see Tori. I'm happy that we're seeing Tori again. She, I like Tori. She looked great. She looked amazing. And uh, commentary agreed because they would not stop. They would not leave her alone. Let that woman be. We then go backstage. Aaron Anderson is on the phone with somebody. And the three clues we hear to who this is is put your pants back on. He says something about desert dust, and he calls him he calls the person Champ a bunch. And whoever this is is going to be on Thunder. Now, Emily, who do you think this is? It's got to be Ric Flair. Well, you can't say it. God. <laughs> I I think we all know who it is. Well, we'll, we'll say, say it then. I, I mean, I can, I mean we don't know. Yeah, how could yeah we, we don't say? know. But I mean, like, we're, how all th- could we know? we're all thinking the same thing. But how could we know? By the way, we're doing an impression of commentary. Oh my God, it was infuriating. Except... By the end of the night, they flat out say. Yeah. Even they're tired of the bits. Like, fuck it. It's Rick. Like, shut up. Well, I think they, they dropped two other names. Like, it could be Piper. It could be Rick. It could be Dory Funk Jr. And that's all we got. Have I ever seen Dory Funk Jr.? No. no. And I've I've barely seen Dory Funk Jr. I'm assuming that's Terry's son. No. Uh, older brother. Oh. Does Terry Funk have kids? Yes, but I don't think they're in wrestling. They probably saw what happened to their dad. Like, not for me. I just checked. He apparently has two daughters. Oh, good. 
And he was probably like, neither of you are ever touching a wrestling ring. He's like, you can wrestle when I retire. <laughs> and then he never retires. So, yeah, we will get to, get to see whoever this is on Thunder. I'm guessing it's only one person. I guess I guess, I guess it could be well, more people. They but. keep saying that they're bringing backup, which I to me, for some reason, implies more than one person. Yeah. I don't know who else it would be, though. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But it, 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 it's Ric Flair. It's definitely going to be fucking Ric Flair. It's got to be. Yeah. They're like, we're going to be in Vegas. I'm like, yeah. I didn't know Desert Dust was a uh, euphemism for Coke. No, I forget if Desert, Desert Dust was actually the phrase they said now that I'm thinking about it. It was about the fact that he got buried in the desert. That was the last time we saw Ric Flair. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. I forgot. That feels like ages ago. Yes. That also feels like that happened when we were watching Raw and not WCW. So like I was, I had that in a different pocket well, of my brain. And remember, him getting buried in the desert by the filthy animals, just yes. remember that, is different from when... He got taken out into a field and got beat down by, by the Nash and NWO. Yes, and he got saved by that by, the, by that lovely farmer. Yes, good lord, he ends up and in not and not the cameraman. My God, God, so, that feels like so long ago. Elsewhere, backstage, Kevin Nash get, gets a massage, and Jeff Jarrett's worried he's not taking things seriously enough. You the, were like, oh my God, you were fawning over this massage because Kevin Nash was giving you some like deep moans, and you were like, damn, that must be a good massage. Well, honestly, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily him. It was the fact that like. The woman doing it, you could tell she was working. I, do, I don't know which one it was. I, it, it might have been Medasia for all I know. But but you were just like yearning for this massage. You're like, damn, that's a good massage right there. Nick's been a little sore the last couple of days. Yeah, that didn't help. I hurt so bad yesterday. Yeah, I don't know why you were so particularly sore yesterday, but neither here nor there. We then get Mean Gene trying to interview Vampiro, but they have technical difficulties and super quick on his feet, always helpful on a jam. Tony Schiavone being like, Oh, we're having one of those technical difficulties that uh, commentary has to try to help, you know, help like fill time and cover. Mike, how you doing? It was even <laughs> less smooth than that. It was so, uh, Mike, how you doing? <laughs> the best thing he had. He, he stole with the sentence and just, how you doing? What's up with you, Mike? Let's just like chit chat here. Oh, it was so, it was so funny. Yeah, and then they just give up for a little bit. They're like, all right, we'll go to the next match. It is the total package with Elizabeth versus Booker T. He was advertised to have Midnight out with him, and he does not to start. Right. Liz comes out with a mic and just introduces Luger. He does his whole Luger thing, and then she introduces him. I'm like, well, why is she doing this? He does this? the whole Luger thing, and the, the, the pants clipped him a little bit on the on, on the way out. <laughs> yeah. He crotched himself a little bit. Well, no, no. He, he, he can't crotch himself there. She crotched him. But you can't really, uh, you can't really react. Yeah. You're Luger. But she introduced him. Like, that doesn't happen. Why did she decide to do that now? I don't know. That has never happened before. It, it was basically to like set up this promo. I guess she wanted a line. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no. Didn't do it. We Didn't some, do it for me. We get some mild we want sting chants. Let's say that every day sting isn't here, Luger grows stronger. What's the fucking force? <laughs> Somehow, the total package has returned. <laughs> He's draining sting's power. He's got sting like stuck in a basement somewhere. Tied up. Neither, just neither like, one can survive while the other one lives or whatever it is. <laughs> neither can live while the other ah, survives. Okay. <laughs> Luger rambles about his physique. He says that no one can stop him and then name drops Hulk Hogan. But he name drops him in a way that it's like, I don't want you to hear me say this name. It's like, I am better than everyone, including Hulk Hogan. Like he says it so quickly and like lower that it's just like, did you not want to say that? I think it was meant to be him being cheeky. Like, ooh, Hogan. Mm, maybe. So, yeah, they did that to try to, like, set up some for, some sort of feud for whenever Hogan comes back. I don't think it set up a feud well. No, it didn't. No. That's why I thought it was just shady. It just felt like 
it just felt like Luger being like, you know, feisty. Just having a little sass. By the way, just before he comes back, do you remember the last time we saw Hulk Hogan? No. It was when uh, he laid down for Sting in the in the title match. Oh, yeah, but Sting got pissed about that, right? He didn't get pissed about that. Uh, I wanted him no, to get pissed No, no, he that. did get pissed. You were, you, he still pinned Hogan, and you were like, you know, spit on his grave. Like, Jesus. I stand by. <laughs> yeah, that was the last time we saw Hogan. Because I was trying to think, like, what are they doing? Oh, yeah, that. So, yeah, I stand no, by. Sting should have been more angry. Should not have, should not have given in to him. He literally, he literally did an open challenge for later in the night at Wrestle Goldberg. I know, but to, I think to me, a we, better we, way We can't to, get back on this. <laughs> he should have counted himself out. He should have left. But I'm not going to be dignified enough to take this. Match starts. We get an early running forearm from Booker T. Booker takes time to hype up the ringside fans. And I'm like, God damn, he really is professional. Push, oh, he's so push good. Push him. He's so good. Book in from Booker only gets a two. And then Luger suplexes Booker from the apron back into the ring. This is where commentary will not say Ric Flair's name. Yes. Oh, they just keep going. You have yeah. to drown out commentary in this match. Scissor kick from Booker, then a Harlem sidekick, but Elizabeth gets on the apron. Then we get Midnight suddenly here. She appears out of nowhere just to intimidate Liz. That's her whole role is just to intimidate Liz. Liz gets down, and then this is enough to distract the referee because the new Harlem Heater here, Stevie Ray and Big T interfere. I didn't even see Big T. I saw Ow, the aftermath as big of Big as a T. fucking house. I saw Stevie Ray, but I did not see Big T. Luger locks in a torture rack and gets the win. The match itself, like, it made sense story-wise to yeah. do this finish, but I was like, it's the most predictable way to do this. Well, and I'm yeah. like, that's yeah, kind of lazy. And then we get Sting's music hitting, and a silhouette appears. The wrong silhouette. It's very clearly not Sting, but... He's wearing the same wig that Lex Loser... Lex Loser. <laughs> He's wearing the same wig that Lex has been wearing for the past couple of weeks. That, like, short hair, poofy, like, triangle kind of wig. Yeah. That's the silhouette. That is not what Sting looks like. I think we were supposed to, in kayfabe, be like, okay, this, that was Sting. Probably. But they should have used a better wig then. Yeah, I don't You don't need to have a wig to make his hair. Yeah. It's just normal fucking hair. Slick down some hair. Oh, you know who would be a good Sting? Um, Super J. Lucky. Lucky whatever. Cannon? Jesus. Lucky Cannon. <laughs> He'd be a great fake sting he has the right hair this is the first time lucky cannon's got a mention on a wrestling podcast in, <laughs> in, in, in the 2020s like cannon call me so yeah i don't know when sting's gonna be coming back i feel like last week they're like he's coming back soon any day now eventually please get on a plane sting what if he's the reinforcements please fucking get here what, what if he's the reinforcements and then arn anderson just beats him down and it's like always a horseman jesus Let's go backstage. We then try for the Mean Gene interview again with uh, Vampiro. But first, Mean Gene accuses the WWF of sabotaging his microphone. Yeah, again, the sass. I think he actually just say, if I didn't know any better. Say that the WWF sabotaged my microphone. But like, they, he literally said WWF. But they don't need to. They're kicking your ass already. Absolutely not. They don't even know that your show is on right now. I think the night before this was the uh, 2000 Royal Rumble, which has the great Cactus Jack Triple H match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they don't need you, man. Vampiro cuts a very bland promo. Did not. It's hard. It's hard to not seem into this. I feel like he was like, "All right, I'll I'll do the I'll do it the first time." And then it, it was like weirdly gracious. Yeah, it was like, "Yeah, I hope I get another rematch with Kidman." Yeah, I respect you, Kidman, and yeah. uh, I hope you give me another chance on Thunder, which is a match that's going to happen. I'm like, why are you asking then? So yeah, they're going to wrestle on Thunder. Okay. Then. Oh my god. Back in the arena, oh my god. David Flair, oh my Crowbar, god. and Daphne. Oh my god. Take over commentary. Oh my god. And I remember they started doing this, and I thought to myself, 
what the fuck are they gonna do? We because were both such haters when this started because neither of us they these three cannot string together a coherent sentence and they have not. They just yelp and scream and crowbar says nothing. Like it's just silent crowbar, yelpy David and Screech, Screech Siren and Daphne. Daphne. Yeah. So, so we're like, this is gonna be garbage. They have a commentary and they, they don't say anything to start, and I'm like, oh no. And David's then, just doing his little yelps. Oh my god. Fucking crowbar turns into goddamn Gordon Soley, and it's just like a great fucking a fucking professional. He, he was unironically terrific during this segment. He was so good. Like I have almost no notes on the match because I was just listening to him. Crowbar was amazing. I and then Daph- Daphne calling the Mamelukes the Marmadukes was also quite funny. Yes, but like okay, so the match they're doing this for is a World Tag Team uh, Championship match. It is Finley and Brian Nobbs versus the Mamelukes, or as Daphne calls them, the, the Marmadukes. Marmadukes. They just also tried doing marmalades at one point. Marmadukes they, is better. Yeah. <laughs> Unironically <laughs> killing it on commentary. He was just doing, a, he was doing his fucking job. This man was auditioning. And he fucking names a finisher. Big Vito, his finish is called the Paisan Plant. And I'm like, love it. He did so well. Oh, you you laughed at, at Vito at one point just doing the hands. Oh yeah, Vito's Vito's whole move is just Italian hands. Like, but I, I love you so much. Standards and practices are here, and yeah, there's a match, but this is not this match is not about the match. No, it is. I could not care less about what's happening in the ring. So Stacy smiles at David, and Daphne like chases her out of the arena with a crowbar. I did get a little bit annoyed at this because. It felt like David had a little bit of middle child syndrome, if you know what I mean, where he realized that he was not getting all the attention because Crowbar was doing so well and he didn't know what to say on commentary. So David literally just got on top of the commentary table and started doing a little dance. Yeah. And then that's when Stacy looks at him, does a little smile, writes something on her clipboard, and then she walks off and Daphne has like a whole conniption about it. But it was very much like... Yeah. You want the spotlight on you and you don't know how to get it, so you're going to do a little dance. Like, it's not about you, David. So, in the ring during this match, Brian Nobbs kicks out of a title belt shot. Which okay. Like, that's, that's a rarity. I wasn't watching. <laughs> Everyone starts brawling. The finish of this match is Nobbs throws a chair in the ring, like, at Finley for some reason. Like, I don't know what else he would have been going for based on like, how he threw it and where. Vito hits the Paisan plant and the goons win. This was not a match. This was a, this was a crowbar fucking highlight reel. This was amazing. I want him to replace Tony Schiavone. He did better than Mike Tanay and Tony Schiavone. If it could be crowbar and Bobby Heenan, that's the dream. I have a feeling this might be the only crowbar commentary. I, I don't know that Which for is sure. Such but... a shame. It's <laughs> like literally go and watch it just for his commentary. He did so fucking well. Like let's wrap this thing up. We get Kevin Nash and Jeff Jarrett headed towards the ring. Nash makes his entrance alone, and regular commentary is back, and they say, it's not time for the main event yet. Nash is going to do a promo, and then it's time for the main event, so yeah, I don't we know. we looked at the timestamp. We, like, we have, like, 15 minutes left yeah. in the show. Yeah, it's main event time, guys. Goldberg chants happen, and Nash says he doesn't work here anymore. Yeah. Like, Did what? he fire him? He threatened to, but, yeah, I just, that was a weird... That's not true, obviously. No, but it was a weird thing to suddenly drop. Yeah. Kevin Nash makes this a no power bomb match, which... He does and he doesn't because he says it's that Sid can't do the power bomb. He doesn't say that he can't do the power. Well, bomb. he says this is a no power bomb match, and then lays out a scenario where Sid does a power bomb. He doesn't say anything for himself, but implies. But the first sentence implies that he can't do it either. Right. He doesn't do it regardless, so we got that going for us. 
then again, he might just be able to do the power bomb on the rest back his turn and be like, no, I didn't do it. Yeah, Charles Robinson is the referee. Like, anything can happen here. Nash notes that the NWO is not here. They're on their way to Vegas for a celebration. We go to commercial, come back. We get Sid Vicious headed towards the ring for the WCW title match. And Kevin Nash is still there because I was ready for Kevin Nash to make another entrance and I was going to lose my shit. Yeah, that would have been ridiculous. Match starts with a, with a sloppy scoop slam and a leg drop from Sid. And then we go right to the floor. <laughs> they go for a test of strength spot back in the ring, but it's a fake out and, and Nash knees Sid in the, in the gut. Got him. Then go to the corner. And then for some variety, we go to the other corners. Whoa. Lots of corner work. But I mean, it's a Sid Nash match. What do you expect? They brawl into the crowd and then like head back almost immediately. Like, why do it? What's the point? We got a Jeff Jarrett sleeper from Kevin Nash. You're calling it a Jeff Jarrett sleeper? <laughs> yeah, no. You're not going to call it a Glargay? No. Who are you? <laughs> you need to make the noise. Is this a cry for help? It's a, what are you doing, Mark sleeper? <laughs> You can't do your own rest hold. You have to do somebody else's mark. God. <laughs> Sid powers up on the third arm drop. Oh my he... God. This got me so good. Charles Robinson does the, like the arm drop of, you know, is he, is he like, is he passed out? Is he KO'd? And he does the arm drop with one arm and then Sid powers up with the other arm, like immediately as it falls. I'm like, oh, got him. <laughs> and then we immediately get a ref bump. Yeah. So Charles Robinson is glass. As we remember, as we recall, he's a little delicate flower and he died. Sid starts to come back, but smartly sees the ref is down. Like, that's a rarity in wrestling. Yeah. Sid then calls for the power bomb, but uh, good old Slappy is here. What up, Slap Nuts? Sid takes his guitar hit and hits Kevin Nash over the head with it. And then, also playing smart, referee's coming too. So Sid, like, plays dumb and, like, lays down on the mat and crawls over to Kevin Nash to be like, oh, anything could have happened here. Anything can happen in the woods. I appreciated the cleverness, but it was not necessary. No, it really was not. But Sid pins Kevin Nash, new champion, Sid Vicious, title change number four on the year. <laughs> this was nothing special in terms of match. I, I mean, liked, I, Sid is really growing on me now that he's a face. I like him better as a face. Yeah. He's really fun to watch. It's kind of amazing thinking about where he was during his bullshit streak. And now he's the top face and I'm not like... Fuck, we need to get somebody else in here. Right. No, he's he's doing well. Yeah, he is. That's easy again. Yeah, and they're keeping these matches short enough to where it doesn't expose him. Yes, and that is kind of key. Thoughts on this show as a whole? Boring. Yeah. Boring as hell. It wasn't aggressively boring to me, but Ugh. nothing was like standout. No. It was more uninteresting than it was actively okay, boring. Okay, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take uninteresting. But it it did not, it had a really hard time holding my attention. So I was going, I scrolled back in my notes to like keep, make sure I had my best bit, MVP and worst bit. I know we talked about it. I, we, we watched the match and we've talked about it in the last hour. Still don't remember the Al Green Tank Abbott match. It wasn't a match. It, it didn't even stick in my brain for the last hour. I said words about it. I'm going to listen back to this podcast. Be like, oh yeah, I did say that. I could not remember that, that match. It's such a forgettable, like Al Green himself is just forgettable. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be staying. No, no. It, it wouldn't shock me if he's one of these guys that is, you know, it, they're like, yeah, we like fired you, but we'll call you in and pay you, you know, yeah, a day rate. Maybe. So before we get into best bit, worst bit at, at MVP, we have to say goodbye. To whom? Bobby Heenan. This was his last one? Yeah. Oh. That's it for Bobby. He didn't have much to say this one. I mean, at least in terms of him being full time, I don't uh-huh. even know if he shows back up on any shows. He's not on Thunder? They don't relegate him to Thunder? I don't think so. Watch, he's going to Thunder. I'm going to be a hypocrite. Yep. 
I, he does Saturday night and then like does like WWE worldwide, but damn, yeah, they. Um, I'm not surprised they have been phasing him out of commentary for so long now that like yeah he should leave. Yeah, they like they've been acting like trying to like frame him out of shots and it's like oh yeah Tony yeah. and Tony and Mike, but um, yeah, it's not just gonna be Tony and Mike. We're gonna get Mark Madden starting next week. Next week it starts. Yeah. Oh no! You told me that's the that's one of the signs. Yeah. It's like the first sign of the apocalypse. But yeah, Bobby Heenan. Um, it's a shame. I like Bobby Heenan. He's always a light. I think everyone and, and himself included would admit that this is not his best work, no. what we've been seeing. But I've been enjoying it. Yes. He he brings the level of snark we enjoy. Yes. He is not taking the show too seriously. No. Like, you, you can never accuse him of that. That's true, which is a, kind of a good thing. Like, you need some, like, silliness. Admittedly, I think people remember two things from his WWE tenure, and mm. and that's it. It's the him paying tribute to, to Gorilla Monsoon, sure, and him depending on how you look at it, ruining the NWO third man story. Oh, because in video packages they cut his line. What's his line? Hogan's coming down to the ring to like you think make the save. Bobby Heenan goes, but whose side is he on? You were never meant to doubt that Hulk Hogan was on the. Oh. However, it's one of those things of Bobby Heenan is, you know, in kayfabe, always hated Hulk Hogan. So it makes some sense. It does. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I never thought about it. Yeah. They, I think WWE leaves it in whenever they include it in a package, but WWE has like trimmed that entirely out. Wow. But other than that, yeah, he's not super known for uh, his time here. I mean, admittedly, he was, he was still here. As we said before, his daughter was going to school in Atlanta. Wow. Oh, I can, you know. Be near her and still... You still know. do my job. Yeah. Work wow. out for him. So, Bobby Heenan, you will be missed. I will miss him. I like Bobby Heenan. Yeah. He grew on me. But we might have to watch the, the, the 92 Rumble just to uh, just to have a final stamp on the Bobby Heenan. You know, it's it's funny. Bobby Heenan has a catchphrase in that Rumble that it's not fair to Flair. And it's not fair that he's going to be gone right before Flair comes back. <laughs> it's not fair to Bobby. <laughs> that is true. That's a shame. With that, let's get into best bit, worst bit, MVP. Emily, what is your best bit? So I really fluctuated on this. I, as am I. The, the way we talked about it, I think I have to give it to the team David Crowbar Daphne on commentary. Just like that whole segment in general, I think that was my best bit of the show. Yeah, I think I, I the, the, the term is best bit, and that was the best bit, was crowbar's commentary it was so fun but like the problem is like ask me the next question worst bit third question yeah and crowbar is also my mvp <laughs> he's my mvp yeah like, crowbar crowbar is the best bit in mvp on this this five minutes of the show was the best five minutes of a wrestling show that you could get like because it was also a roller coaster because they came out and we're like oh shit this yeah is it was awful. the surprise it was yeah. the i don't know it was the allure of it all it was just like this wasn't supposed to be good but it was and Emily, do you have a worst bit? You know, I didn't come up with one. Yeah, I think nothing was offensively bad. The closest you get is the Tank Abbott, Al Green stuff. But that was on the, my list of like, God, this is so forgettably bad. These matches are so short that it's like, eh. Yeah, it's just like, get up, get a drink and come back and it's over. Yeah. It's okay. You'll get through it. Do you agree with the best bit in um, Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Crowbar for both. Hell yeah, Crowbar. Crowbar is my boy. He has found his way into my boy stable. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love him. With that shocking revelation. <laughs> You can, He's also not too hard to look at. You can listen to, I guess, Emily falling in love with Crowbar episode <laughs> by episode in all our back catalog 
on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Billy Kidman, you're on your way out. Wow. No, he's not. He's at the top of my stable. I love you. Don't listen to me. Yeah, and then you fell even more in love with uh, Scotty Too Hotty the other day. Oh. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod and on Facebook at the Butts and Seeds Podcast. Our next episode, as mentioned, is not the next Nitro. It's Thunder. Thunder. This is the first like actual episode of Thunder we're going to be reviewing. Yeah, we actually have to pay attention to it. It's not just going to be on the background. Yeah, we... We didn't really mention anything besides the one thing from Thunder. Usually, we like we fill in some blanks. Yeah. All right. Well, it's that's going to be a whole new experience, except for the fact that it's not even like before where, where we were doing three hours and now it's going to be two hours. It's just another two-hour show. Yeah. Until then, I'm Nick. I am Emily. And thanks for listening to the Butts of Seas podcast. Bye-bye.